we can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's five percent of the ingredient it pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me taught me humility nothing can hit humble you more than wrestling i think it's the learning to adapt right you learn you learn how to adapt you learn how to solve problems you know if i look back at my time i spent wrestling if it gave me one thing more than anything else it's mental toughness ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the wrestling changed my life podcast this is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Monday, June 12th. Our guest today is Brian Medlin, fresh off Final X. We recap Final X. We recap the Illinois RTC's performance. The Illinois RTC put two guys on the world team, Zach Bronigal and Zane Richards. Zane took out Thomas Gilman in two straight matches. Final X had a lot of controversy, a lot of great wrestling, and it was fun to have Coach Medlin's take on it. I hope you enjoy this episode. Fan of the week goes to... This one goes to our friend Hatch 20 who recently left an Apple podcast review, five-star review. Subject is, doesn't get any better. My go-to podcast makes my day at work a little more enjoyable. Thank you so much for the review, and thanks to everyone who's left an Apple podcast review. And without further ado, folks, let's give it up for the great Brian Medlin. Just a quick update from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Frog Ninja Wrestling Club. They were with us last year, and they're back to promote their upcoming summer camps. If you're in the PA area, check out these camps. Amazing clinicians. The first camp is June 27th through the 29th at the Spooky Newt Complex in Lancaster, PA. Clinicians include Mike Evans, David McFadden, and Brian Pearsall, who's the head coach at, excuse me, the head associate coach at Penn and a former Penn State wrestler. The Frog Ninja Wrestling Club is also doing a second camp in Oxford, PA, July 11th through the 13th. One of my favorite clinicians for this camp is Morgan McIntosh, who's an Army Green Beret, three-time All-American, and NCAA finalist. For Penn State. He was also a three-time California State champ. He's going to be at the second camp in Oxford, PA. So register now at frogninjawrestlingclub.com. Coach Brian Medlin, fresh off the Final X Championships, welcome back. I'm happy to be here. Now let's talk about the weekend the Illinois RTC had. So a lot of people know about, about Zane, but if you weren't watching the Greco match, we got one on the Greco team, if not two on the Greco team. How many we yeah, got we, there? We have one um, that trains with us full time, and then we we had another one that we helped support Kamal Bay and, and Zach Bronagle. So yeah, no, they we had a really good weekend. It was it was pretty rare, you know, leaving as a coach. Usually, 
you know, never, everything isn't perfect. There's always that one or two matches that you're kind of sticks in your craw and keeps you motivated and whatever. But, um, yeah, we left and everybody that we had, had an affiliation with made the team and I thought everybody wrestled well, to, you know, pretty close to their potential. And, you know, it was exciting. It was a good feeling waking up on Sunday. So, man. And it's just like, it was so dramatic for the freestyle side of things. In fairness, I didn't get to watch Greco. Talk to us about Zach's best of three series. How did that go? So first match, first match, Zach went out there and, you know, just Vera is the guy he's wrestling. His name's Alan Vera. He's a Cuban national. One of the, one of the top guys in the world for a long time, um, defected from Cuba, um, came over here, um, maybe two years ago and started competing three years ago. Um, you know, he, uh, tough guy you know he's he's kind of very greco savvy which means he, he he does a good job at dominating ties and then getting you put in part here and that's kind of where he wants you um it was weird it kind of it was a weird match because they called two calls that they usually don't call which is like a finger um they they called zach for like pulling on the fingers which is illegal but sometimes it just kind of happens it's one of those like finger wags usually but they gave him two cautions like right away so he's down like four five oh with you know a minute in and he's kind of confused at what even happens because there's that if you grab all four fingers in folk style, that's okay. But if you grab five fingers in Greco, it's not, you know, so you have to grab the actual hand itself. So and they gave it was points a learning on that? moment. Yeah, they gave him five points. So he's down on bottom, he's five, and he ended up getting gutted out. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was just it left him with this, you know, coming back. It was like, all right, you know, refocusing for the second match. It was like he was a little bit more fired up, a little bit more energetic. It was like, all right, I didn't get to show anything in that first match, and I'm really going to come hard in the second match. He comes out and does a really good job of controlling the pace. They ended up putting him down, which, you know, I wasn't 100% was the right call. Um, and then Zach got a reversal. And at that point, the match just turned. It just shifted. And they ended up – uh Zach's pace just kind of like took a hold and uh, ended up pushing him out a bunch, you know, got, got a takedown and pushed him out a bunch. And then uh, um, they actually cautioned him out of the match, like maybe halfway through the second period. So, wow. um, you know, we had a game plan. Um, if Zach got a passivity, we weren't going to put Vera down. We we're going to keep him on his feet. You know, I think psychologically, you know, guys that are really good in Greco, they, they look at, Bottom wrestling and Greco defense is almost like bottom wrestling and folk style. It's not a break, but at the same time, you're not in, if you're really good, you're not in a lot of risk to getting turned in folk style is the same thing as, you know, getting turned in, in Greco. So he wasn't afraid of Zach's, you know, parts here. So I think that really played a factor. And then third match, you know, Vera's got some neck issues. Um, and then I think just kind of Zach pulling on him infected, you know, kind of got those neck issues flamed up and, uh, yeah, he ended up not wrestling the third match at all. So oh, Zach wow. won by four in the third match. So wow, and he's he's still got years of college left, right? Or is he done yeah. in college? No, he's got he's got another year. So I mean, there's decisions to be made. You know, Olympic redshirt and you know things like that. But you know, those will those will come over the next month or so. But right now, just he he leaves for Lithuania on Saturday. So I'm making this team. You know, just gives him a bunch of. You know, it gives him a bunch of opportunities that he wouldn't have had that, you know, and he's young. He's not he's not like most of the Greco guys. I think he's the youngest guy by a long shot. You know, I think guys like Joe Rao, Joe's in his 30s. You know, Zach's 
22, I think, still. So, you know, Zach Zach can go over and really take advantage of a lot of the opportunities that some of the older guys are going to have to kind of taper themselves back from. You know, he's going to be able to go to a lot of camps, a lot of competitions that, that maybe wouldn't have been open to him. So I'm really excited to see where he's going to be, you know, coming up for that world championship. So Wow, that's awesome. And such a great kid, too. I love the Braun Angle brothers. Yeah. And, nah, he's, um, he's a super hard worker. So yeah. it's just hard not to like yeah. to make a world team is just so rare. Now, is this an Olympic weight? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, he wow. set himself up pretty well for that Olympic spot. You know, I mean, you go, you go and you do well at the world championships or you do well at the Pan Ams and qualify the weight and you sit out of the trials to the finals. So it's one of those, like you get to the best two or three just by qualifying the weight. So that's, uh, that's a really positive thing for Zach. You know, I think, uh, that's so you know, big to be an Olympian. God. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Right. But you know, he works really hard and he's, I've, you know, been, I think a lot of people have been high on him for a lot of years because of his effort. And I think he could really, uh, you know, he can really do things in Greco that, you know, that a lot of the Greco Roman wrestlers that didn't wrestle in folk style, you know, he transitioned his folk style skills pretty well over to Greco, you know, guys like, I don't know if you remember Brad Baring, but you know, guys like him. Yeah. Yeah. Superstar, you know, and Greco, you know, all American and folk style, but a lot of the same characteristics that Brad had that, that Zach does. So, you know, guys like Justin Ruiz that wrestle in college that go on and wrestle and they, they transition those, those folk style skills into Greco and, and level changing and bringing that hard, you know, American style pace, you know, I think Zach can really do, do something special in the next, you know, few years. I mean, he's got a, he's got a long career, hopefully ahead of him. So no we'll doubt. see. And Kamal Bay, he, you know, everyone knows the name an elite superstar freak among freaks, just one of the most talented, explosive people there is in wrestling kind of like had some down years. It seems like wasn't committed. Now he's back and more serious than ever. What, how, how did he, his week can go? He, he went to an old, um, tech this guy twice. He's wrestled <laughs> a really good kind of older Belarusian guy. Um, was, he ended up coming over here. This been a trend a little bit with, uh, some Europeans and, you know, you know, Central American guys coming into the United States and wrestling Greco. So he, uh, he ended up wrestling a Belarusian that had meddled a long, long time ago. I think this guy's 43 years old, believe it or not. <laughs> so, and Kamal wrestling really well. So, I mean, the guy had good pummeling skills, and it's been the thing that's gotten Kamal in the past is just kind of basics pummeling. You know, he's good from, you know, positions he's good at, and he hasn't been good from positions that the other guy kind of puts him in. So, I think wrestling out of those positions and wrestling to positions where he's at the bigger advantage is going to be a big thing. So, um, he – uh yeah, you know, he, he's, he's in the Army. He's settled down now. He's got a wife. He's got a house. He's got, you know, things that, you know, 19-year-old Kamal, you weren't really sure <laughs> if it was going to take place. You know, it's he was he was a little bit of a loose cannon. So him settling down and getting a wife and, you know, all these things has, has turned into a more consistent, you know, person you know when he's on the mat so that's it's a good thing you see that a lot in wrestling when guys start to get their lives in order you know wrestling starts to kind of fall into place and become more consistent i think that's what you're seeing with him hopefully going to continue to see over the next few years here now he's a he's a bona fide superstar when it comes to to his skills i mean what was it like taking to him to fargo the first couple of times back in the day the craziest thing man he didn't win like uh really? he had mark off 
Yeah, he had a guy. He had Mark Hall and a guy named Bo Bresky. And you, you know, I'm I'm a young coach, so it's like you know, you think Kamal Bay is the greatest thing ever, and then you see Mark Hall, and Mark Hall beats him. You know, and it's like, <laughs> what the heck? Like you're look, looking around thinking this world just doesn't make sense anymore at all. Like I don't understand how this guy doesn't, you know, especially in Greco where athleticism plays such a huge factor. It was hard to even think about somebody being more athletic than him. But, you know, he he developed he he developed as he went through high school. And I remember his last last year at Fargo when he wrestled for Team Illinois, he actually wrestled a guy who had beaten him before, Bo Bresky. And that was actually the best Kamal that we had seen up to that point because he was like, all right, I'm going to actually train position wise. I'm not just going to go out there and wrestle. He used to do this thing. He said uh, his best setup was he would scratch his nose and then hit a high dive. You know, that was his like best setup. I'm like, Kamal, you know, that's going to stop working at some point. People are going to like, every time you scratch their nose, they're going to like just shore up their defense. And, and, uh, you know, he got out of that. And then that year he did really well. And then I think that led him right into what he did at the juniors, you know, the next couple of years. So, um, you know, and then, like you said, he had some down years where he was kind of exposed for for lack of skills. And, you know, he's kind of shored those up. And, you know, now he's he's starting down that uptick again. And it's kind of the perfect time to do that, you know, as the Olympics approach. And, you know, yeah. you're going to hopefully see the best version of him. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's <clears throat> Illinois did well, and obviously, the one that you know freestyle fans are talking about is is Zane upsetting Thomas Gilman. And you talk about Zane took out Suriano in the finals of the U.S. Open. Weirdly officiated match. Zane gutted it out. Got a takedown. Like his go behind offense is insane lately, and he scored several times on Gilman with it, or at least it seemed like it. Um, and I guess the main trend is previously Suriano had had tech Zane previously Gilman had tech Zane Zane's found a new place. I know it's a lot to do with your coaching, a lot to do with the guys you guys are bringing in and obviously Zane's commitment and, and discipline, but let's just talk about it, man. Uh, when did you guys get in there and kind of what was that week like leading up into that, that final with Gilman? Yeah, no, he, he, is is rare in the fact that like he trusts the process the whole time you know it wasn't something that you know he he looked at the results and said okay now i can't do this and you know, i'm going to give a little less of myself to the to the cause because you know i don't think it's going to be possible because that's that's the scariest thing for athletes i feel like is to give themselves to a cause that they're almost sure isn't going to work you know so i think he he was always a person that was like, all right, it's going to work so I can give myself holistically to this cause. And, you know, I think him, especially with, you know, he, he's been a little more grounded with his faith, not a little, a lot, you know, and that helped him out. I think the guys that we've had in have helped him out. I think the trips to Russia have helped him out. But I think the biggest thing is for him, his success has been based upon his belief that it was going to that it was going to be his time. He just needed to keep doing the right things, you know, just always always really looking for the next right thing to do. And, you know, the results have, have kind of shown, I think too, a little bit like him having to prove himself is, is, you know, when he's, it's, it's worked out in, in all the matches that he's, that he's kind of been wrestling his best is that he's had to score late. You know, he's had to go out and get points, you know, that's where in the past he's kind of had to, you know, when he gets a lead and he's kind of holds himself back a little bit, and he's like, all right, I got a, I got three points I can give up. And he's, the brain starts working. He starts trying to become, you know, Albert Einstein or whatever. But when he has to go out and score points, 
you know, he's, he's a dangerous guy. You know, he's got, he's got a lot of, lot of good stuff. So I think, uh, you know, him, uh, him having to go out there and get points is a big thing. And him having to, you know, him feeling like he's got a little bit of a chip chip on his shoulder is, is a good thing. So, yeah. you know, I think I saw, I think I saw something after the match was like, Oh, 57 kilos at the Olympic trials is going to be crazy. And it's like, man, you know, it didn't matter where Zane was in the process. They were always, you know, saying there was somebody that was coming for him. that's going to beat him or whatever. And it's like, yeah. okay, keep that up, you know, keep that up. He keeps wrestling good that way. So it's reminiscent of every year before the Olympics and certainly the Olympic year, things get freaking crazy in this country. I mean, you look at, I'm trying to think of years past, like I'm thinking like 2000, there was some really crazy stuff with Joe Williams and Brandon Slay, but like Zane's a guy who's been in there right up there for years. And it's not like it's out of nowhere. It's he's been putting it together and really, I mean, you look at his world cup performance. That's to me where it started. He wrestled great at the world cup and really from there has been chipping away. And so, I mean, for folks who didn't watch match one, if I'm thinking about it correctly, he's losing late and gets that go behind to score in the first match, right? Yeah. So he, he's, he's, uh, he's down three to two. Um, Gilman has all ones. And then he actually got in on a leg. Um, we started to kind of see a trend that was kind of opening up that, that he was able to kind of capitalize. And I think the second period of that, he saw it a lot more. Um, it was a leg. The underhook. Um, Zane that was lefty able to underhook get... slide by was crazy or throw yeah. by. Was that, do you guys call that a shot or like more of a throw by? It's a throw by. <clears throat> I mean, it's really based on like the level of the other guy. If the guy's kind of really, really low, you know, Zane hit it, had to hit a knee to get underneath him. And, you know, so it's a lot of torque. You know, we, we practice it a lot. Zane, you know, everybody does. So, I mean, I know that was how Isaiah beat, uh, how Isaiah beat Nolf, you know, in the, in the, in the NCAAs. You know, I think, uh, I think you saw a trend open it up and the fact that he went out and scored that and then it was four to three and was able to kind of close the close the door the rest of the match, you know, gave him a lot of confidence, you know, looking at the two as they kind of ran away from each other. You know, I, I felt like Zane had the upper hand at that point. And, you know, then Zane was kind of able to open up a little bit more and be a little more creative with things in, the, in that second match, which was good. His hand fight must make guys feel like under pressure and, and make them shoot because he just has a real tightness to his game and guys are taking shots and he really punishes them if it's not a good shot or if they're a little extended. I mean, he, I just can't think of anyone who has scored more from that in the past three matches than Zane. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's very threatening with a lot of the stuff he does, you know, he's and really, to be honest, that's kind of been his bread and butter since he was, you know, a real young kid is just being able to hit, you know, head and hands defense and just start with basics and things like that. So that, that was that. Yes, you're right. You know, the, his his motion made Suriano shoot, you know, his his threats made Suriano shoot, his threats made Gilman shoot. So, um, you know, and he was able to capitalize, which is which is good because both those guys are world class guys. Oh, my God. I mean, Gilman has been a staple since basically 2017 and, you know, world silver medalist. I mean, <laughs> And a lot of people thought, or when I say thought, you know, I saw on Twitter, it's like, all right, maybe the, the pull was hard for Gilman. He'll be back in match two. We saw the exact same thing in match two. And like, people need to start yeah. giving Zane his credit. Cause it's like, this is, this is, this happens all the time now. And, and Zane, he hasn't got to him a lot, but his drags are so threatening. Like I love his wrist action and his drags. Like people are, they're in danger if they're there. Yeah. From like a young age, you know, I think that that's something that's, 
you know, I think Greco gave him that, to be honest. He re- he won three Fargo titles in Greco. You know, I think wow. being able to, anytime you grab my wrist or anytime I grab your wrist, to be able to at least threaten a drag, that's actually how he got to Gilman's legs the first time was he just faked a drag on the right and then went, got back, actually went back to the right. So he faked the drag on the right and went back to the right. So um, he, uh, he does have those those skill sets, you know, upper body skill sets that maybe some of the other freestyle guys don't have as well, you know. But you know, back to like proving him, you know, I I honestly for me as a coach, like I don't want people to give him a ton of respect because he wrestles better when they don't, you know. And I I there's a story, and I know he's gonna be kind of mad that I told this, so but I don't care. We're uh we're overseas, maybe the best I probably ever saw him wrestle was we were overseas. They were doing a mock competition in Russia and uh, he, he couldn't find a match the first day. There was the, like the better guys were already paired up. The middle guys ran out of partners real quick. And uh, so he ended up having to wrestle this girl actually that was pretty good um, and goes out there and he actually got inside trip or inside trip or arm through. I can't remember. She, he gave up four like real quick. And he was super upset with himself. And then the next day he goes in and he has, he, he'll wrestle to Skyev, who at the time was ranked number two in the country, two in the world. And uh, he tries to get a warm-up partner. He can't even find a warm-up partner. Like all the better guys had already chosen each other and he's walking around looking. So he actually, the only warm-up partner was my son, who at the time was like 10 years old. So Zane warmed up with my 10-year-old son for a match to the, the number two guy in the world. And the way he warmed up, like, the look on his face, like I kind of stayed away from him a little bit. Cause he was like, I wanted to see where it went. Cause he was very like, very, you know, kind of just had that little bit of an edge to him that I hadn't seen too much from him. Usually he's just kind of happy to be in wrestling and, you know, he he's asking questions, he's talking whatever, but he wasn't, there was nothing there like behind his eyes. And then he walked out there and he smoked, to sky like both periods i mean i don't know he triple teched him i think what? like just wrestled wrestled really well so yeah no and i think it was just the disrespect of like hey you know he couldn't even find a partner to warm up with you know he couldn't he wasn't on the level of some of those guys that kind of looked at him and you know we talk about it a lot you know and it's it's kind of the last things i say to him is like go prove yourself go prove yourself you know and i think that 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 has taken him a long way. So for me personally, as a coach, like, hey, you know, keep doubting him, keep telling everybody, you know, oh, now it's the world championships and he can't win that either. You know, there's there's yeah. too many guys there that are good and whatever. So, I mean, I think uh, I think he's he's doing a good job of getting him the, himself in the right headspace with the current situation. So hopefully it keeps working. And what does he have to do to earn a finals, to earn a bite of the finals of the Olympic trials next year? Medal. He has to qualify. I think I think he has to qualify the way take top five. Um, so get into the bronze medal match. So and I mean it'll be a lot tougher than the past, you know, three years of worlds. I mean he uh Way he has yeah, Ugoyev is back, obviously, you know, probably the hands down best guy in the world. Japan will send a better guy this year. Um, you know, all of the guys that were that were around in 61 that were kind of playing with 61 the past few years will start to come down. So I mean, this so? is a big year. year. Everybody, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. No, a lot of them will. Um, Bakarov will be back. You know, it'll be a, it'll be an extremely tough year to medal or to get to that match. But, you know, I think Zane's up for the challenge.
Oh, no doubt. Who's the guy who beat Gilman last year in the finals? Abakarov. From so Azerbaijan? No, he's from Albania, but he's Albania. actually, um, he's, he's, I don't think he's Dagestani, but he's from Russia and kind of that area. Um, but Zane's competed with him in the past, you know, stayed when he was at one of those camps. So Zane did pretty well with him. I think Abakarov, you know, he, he's got a lot of good stuff from the wrist, a lot of the drag stuff, two-on-one stuff that Zane does that he also is good at. So Zane's able to kind of, you know, I think that that's a good, that's a good match. So, you know, and not, not taking anything away from him because he's world-class, but, you know, I think that we, we have, we feel good about a lot of those guys. So just, you know, getting him ready, keeping him healthy, keeping him excited and in the same headspace. And this, the year before the Olympics is such a critical world. I mean, like you said, everyone comes out for it. People are cutting down. Like it's not that last year was watered down, but everyone just kind of felt watching it. It's like a little bit like ever, a lot of people sent their JV teams maybe, and like maybe only Iran and a couple other teams sent their best. I know that wasn't the case, but it felt that way this year. It's going to be bloodbath McGrath and I can't wait. Yeah, no, it'll be good. I lo- I'm, you know, I love these things. You know, I love these very high level intense situations in wrestling. We don't, I feel like we don't get enough of them. So, no. you know, as it's, it's going to be a pretty special tournament there in Belgrade. And, you know, I think it's going to lead to exciting Pan Ams and it's going to lead to exciting Olympic trials. And the next year of wrestling is going to be really fun. So it's culminating just, with Paris. Oh man. It's just so crazy to me that in June of 23, it's such a critical time for the Olympics. I mean, because again, if you make that best two or three finals, no guarantees, but man, that really sets you up. And it's just, you, I mean, thinking about how deep the trials bracket's going to be, if Vito goes down, I mean, if Lee, you know, fix, he's so many guys that are going to be in that bracket. Um, and not that you can't win. It's just every match you got to be at your best. And so it's like to be in the finals is going to be huge. And, Certainly no doubt that Zane will be there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it seems quicker to me just because, you know, it was 2021 instead of, you know, that was the last, that was the last big trials process and everything. So it really wasn't the whole four years. It's more like three years. So a Mm -hmm. little less. um, What's the schedule like between now and the worlds? um, He's going to go to a couple um, um, camps over at the OTC you know, there's a camp, I think, in July. There's a camp in August. Um, then there'll be – he's going to compete once um, either in a ranking tournament in Hungary or in uh, in Poland. So trying to decide between those two. And then acclimation camp and, you know, lots of lots of good training here in Illinois. We got a good – we got a good group around him. You know, um, we've got Mongolian, couple-time bronze medalist that's, that's really good, back by Erdenbots here. You know, we bring in guys pretty regularly for him, you know, got guys on campus that are that will push him and make him feel comfortable and, you know, make him feel uncomfortable in, in, in ways that we can kind of control it. So, um, yeah, no, it's uh, hopefully going to be a good training. You know, I think that was the, that was another big key with his you know, success this year. I think we, we took a lot more scientific approach than we have in the past, um, you know, think following different training manuals and things that we do in wrestling, you know, sometimes we're a little bit barbaric compared to other sports. And I think we started to look at what, you know, it kind of started with, I I did a, I did a triathlon last year and, you know, looking at different training plans, I was like, man, I can't believe there's so much science-based training in triathlon. And then I, you know, 
and there's almost none in wrestling. Like it's mm -hmm. more like, you know, just do some sprints and you know, climb some ropes. And, you know, there's this different periodizations and things that you can do in wrestling that kind of help them out. We do a lot of heart based training now instead of heart rate based training, instead of just, you know, going in a lot of his cardio is timed and very specific to the, to the period of training he's in. So um, yeah, I think it's helped out a lot and, you know, we've got, we could be creative in the next few months here to put him in the best position possible to, to take even a bigger jump in the next, you know, next little bit here to, to have some success at the world's. Yeah. I, I still got to <clears throat> ask you about your triathlon because that kind of stuff fascinates me. And like you said, man, wrestling's yeah. like, gotta blow the lungs out. It's like, what does that even mean? You know, like, is that, <laughs> that that's not science. Yeah. Um, but man, so there's so much you hit on there. I want to go back to the, what you're building at the Illinois RTC. I feel like every other month or something, I see a new guy in. So who do you, who do you got permanently living there? That's a foreigner. Do you have, um, you got the Mongolian. Is there an, also a Russian? Yeah. So there's been two. Um, the first one, um, he wrestled for Slovakia this year in the Euros, uh, 92 kilos. He's actually going to go to 79 kilos. Um, his name is Ermat Kardanov. I met him when he was kind of a young boy over in Vladikavkaz and, you know, built a good relationship with him. He's one of the best, best defensive wrestlers in the world. You know, I think he's one of the top 79 kilo guys in the world. So, um, you know, he, he's living there, um, brings a really good style to the room, something very European style and just good energy and just overall super good person. So yeah, he's, he's right there with like Ed Ruth and, you know, say him and Ed ever go. Yeah. No. Yeah. And he can't believe how strong Ed is. Like no one, that's what everyone says when they grab Ed. They're like, I can't believe how strong he is. I'm like, you can hear somebody say that and you grab him. And it's just, it's an unreal strength. Like it's almost like a machine. You know what I mean? Like how, how a machine would crush cans or something or like crush cars. It's like, how do you even stop his arms from going this way if he wants them to go that way? I don't know. So him and Isaiah. And so we've got a, he kind of brings that good environment to that upper middle weights. And then uh, we've got, the Mongolian guy that I just said, um, back by our bot, um, was been here for about a month and a half now, two months. And then, uh, Ibrahim Ilyasov was another guy that was here for quite a while. And he's working on his, he's getting his, uh, getting his, uh, green card and everything straightened out over out of New York. So he was the guy who trained the same before the world cup. So that's right. We've been very, very fortunate to have a pretty good group of guys coming in. So, that's amazing. Like you got like, where's the Mongolian? Does he stay with you out in Deer Deer Creek, or is he living like in the basement of Huff Hall? Like how? <laughs> no, we have we have a house for those guys. So that's um, We actually had a donor that, that stepped up and bought a condo. So we have we have a we have a really nice place for them to live, and you know they they enjoy the fellowship of each other. And there's a Turkish guy living there now, and you know it's kind of a cool cool place you know I, I i end up staying there sometimes on like recruit visits and things like that you know just because it is kind of a fun environment you know you got all these different That's you know great. countries that are staying together in one place and you know they're all super good people too they laugh and joke and you know having tea and sitting around is really fun with them so Man, that's that sounds like a little bit of a reality show we got to get in there <laughs> just all <laughs> yeah, these guys no, are around. Think... Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. tell talk to me a little bit about less about the Illinois coach and let's talk about final X because for years I was the one saying, I hate final X in three cities. I think it should be one city. It happened this year. And the big complaint was that it was a little long. I do agree. It was a little long, but 
How do you like it in one event versus three events? Well, I mean, as a coach, I really like it just because it's, it seemed to get spread out having to go from here and then you got another one and then U23s usually happens right about then. So it just feels like you're kind of spreading your resources really thin. So I think USA Wrestling saw that opportunity to put them all in the same. I agree. Maybe it was a little bit long, but I'm not really sure how those adjustments can be made to, to fix the length of it. If you're going to have 30 matches, you know, at least uh, if you're going to have 20 matches, per mat at least and then a possible another you know maximum 30 matches i'm not really sure how you can make that a, make that a little bit shorter but you know i'm sure there are ways you know i i honestly to be honest i i didn't know how long it went i knew it was super late when we got out of there but for the most part it felt like a normal day at, at the office for us so i mean it was about the right amount of time of rest between. I guess maybe if they wanted to do something, they could just eliminate that little bit of a break that they had between, and then it would kind of space it together. But I don't know if that. No, got I think it was. Ever. I think it. I see. I don't mind. Like I thought, I'm like man, this is a perfect Saturday. We got a two o'clock session, a five o'clock session. You know, I guess maybe like do one session on Friday, one on Saturday. But I, I don't. I think it was fine how it is. I think just people said, you know, sitting around from two to ten. And I'm like, what's it was surprising to me that to wrestle 10 matches, like to go through men's freestyle takes that long. Like I, I thought it'd be like an hour, but it took way longer than I thought to go through a 10 match duel. Like it's almost we two fade, hours. Got, yeah, you got intros and then challenges were taken forever. I mean, oh there were some God. challenges that were taken 15, you know, not fit. It seemed like a long time. I don't really know if it was a long time. And then they had to, to beat the street stuff between, you know, I think if they could kind of eliminate those, it would, it would cut down on the time a lot, but for, you know, for the most part, like, you know, it's 60 minutes of wrestling maximum. So then if you could kind of like minimalize the other stuff, you know, yeah. and, and maybe you could get it done a little bit quicker. And I honestly like the best two or three, I mean, I don't think we should have it. I think it should be one match. I mean, and I know I'm in the minority for some people, but you know, you get one match at the world championships. And if, you know, you, the reason being is like, so what if you catch me? Well, what if, what if you get caught at the Olympics, you're out anyways, you know what I mean? So like, I, and if you, and if, you know, if you do get caught, you know, next year's come back, you know, I don't, I don't think that we definitely need a best two or three because it changes wrestling. You know, a guy weighs in in the morning at, you know, 10 o'clock, he goes out there, he barely is able to move because he's, you know, cutting so much weight. But, you know, six hours later, he weighs 15 more pounds. And then, you know, another couple hours later, he weighs 20 more pounds. You know, I don't think that that's that that doesn't necessarily replicate what these guys are competing for, which is to go to the Olympics and have one single shot. And a lot of these guys have to compete off the scale, you know, so I, I personally think we don't need two of three. I think it just needs to be one match and you know, everyone's that match, you know, you're the guy for that year. And if not, I mean, you think about all the things that these guys have to do to make it to this match. And then the other guys, just, if you're a medalist, you're just sitting there waiting for them. You know, you haven't had to compete at all. And then suddenly, you know, you, he doesn't have to beat you once, but he's got to beat you twice. So, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I don't think either way it really needs to be, you know, I was happy for like, I mean, we we were the beneficiary of it in one match. Obviously, Zach Braunigle, if it was one match, he'd be done. But I think Alan Vera, knowing he's going to have to wrestle Zach a third match, played into a second match. You know, he didn't, you know, I think he was thinking to himself like, oh, no, if I lose this, I'm going to have to turn on and wrestle this 
this monster again for, yeah. for a third match, which got in his head a little bit, you know? So, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think if there's a drastic change that could be made, I think that could be one of them. Interesting. No, I, I do like the idea of putting the medalist out because the goal is to have the best team. And if you get a medal at the worlds, I do think that should be something. Um, that's it. I never thought about though, the not doing the best of three. I just took it for granted. Yeah. I mean, I, I get, cause no other country does it right. Or Japan kind of has a pretty in-depth series, but Russia, it's just Russian nationals. Yeah. No, I, I, Iran has like a best of two or three or best two of three. Um, but I don't think, uh, Japan's got kind of a weird system where it involves some different tournaments. And if you win one, you get a buy to something else. And, you know, yeah. I'm not really, not really super familiar with their process, but I know they've got a, a different process, but for us, I mean, we've always done the best two or three. And I, I do think a final X is the, is the answer though. The, the whole, like before when you had to win the world team trials and then the next day have to wrestle the guy who's sitting out, I thought that was ridiculous at the time. And, you yeah. know, I still think it's ridiculous, but I think know, it's perfect to think- have it this year, a big U S open. That's badass. Cut yeah. the world team trials in between. That's too many weigh-ins. And I mean, you have to have it for the, when there's not someone at final X, but assuming most weights yeah. have someone at final X, I love the U S open six weeks. I thought there could have been a lot more content building up the matches and a lot more like interviews. Oh, I was, sure. I didn't see anything on that. No. And, and, and to be honest, like, when when we had Isaiah and he was wrestling Burroughs, there was a ton of content. They came out, they did a lot of interviews, and you know, they there was some build up between matches. But yeah, no, I I agree. I think there's getting people more excited for those because there were some very intriguing matches that you didn't even talk about. You know that that were talked about it with wrestling, but I feel like there's a there's another level of people that would have been interested. You know, in Chance Marsteller's story. You know, that guy's a been been through the ringer and just came out the other side you know yeah. it's, that's an awesome story outside of wrestling so you know mm-hmm. i think uh you know i think that's a that's something we can definitely change if you know if moving forward you know i'm not the guy that's making those those content videos so no, it's, and it's <laughs> a lot of work man as someone who, who knows content it is a lot of work but i would think when you, the reason i remember that we broke out final x yes to give the guys a break but also to build up more hype and there was a lot of content in years past where they'd send out a flow would probably send out a crew to Illinois, to Penn state to wherever Nebraska. And, you know, in, in general, the economy is brutal right now and companies are cutting. So if it's travel related, I get it. But uh, I did feel like there could have been a little bit more of that. The venue, I was a little worried about the venue because it's such a huge place. It's basically like the United center. Was it too big for the event or did you like it? No, I thought, I thought it was okay. You know, I, I think they might have expected more fans and that would have helped out a little bit, but it was plenty loud. Like it, it got loud sometimes. I mean, especially during like some of those like JB matches where it was, you know, getting kind of crazy. It was getting really loud. So, I mean, I, I thought they did a good job with that. I thought the production was about as good as you could, you could do there. You know, I thought the people that were, were dictating when you go out, that were very professional. USA wrestling did a great job with that. So, nice. you know, I mean, it's just, you know, finding the right locale too. You know, I'd like to have it in Chicago. You know, I think, uh, I think yeah. we could pack that place with some Illinois people. It'd be great. I, I do think it's, Chicago's interesting because you have Northwestern and then, you know, Illinois a couple hours away, but I do think it's good to have it at a college campus if at all possible and at least tap into that fan base. 
And like the obvious example yeah. now would be like, if you put it at Penn State, that thing's going to be sold out because there's so many Penn State guys in the mix. It's a little bit of a home field advantage, but yeah, Chicago, um, you know, you could do it anywhere, but I do think, you know, Jersey's a great spot because it's such a melting pot and New York City is easy to get to. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the venue from TV looked great. I mean, it's basically the same size as an arena that the NCAAs would be in. So like, it looked badass, like all the seats look super nice. And, um, but let's get to the, I thought there was some very odd officiating and you may think otherwise, since you're so in the know and you're so close to it. The, um, the first one that comes to mind really bothers me is the Yanni Nick Lee match, Matt one, when Yanni got called for that caution and one and basically ended the match on that. And then that the second match with Yanni and Nick Lee, again, I thought Yanni was controlling it. And then right at the end there, I don't think he turned and they said he did. That's neither here nor there. So I just think in general, the caution of one is still being butchered here. Like, do you think, are you seeing this internationally or are we, are we calling it correctly? No, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so much gray area with, with referee. And, you know, I, I do think, I do, I do think different refs call things differently. And that's, that's more of the problem. You know, the fact that, the fact that you don't understand what happened in, in those situations is is the biggest issue. You know, I think that, you know, as we need to make the rules as clear as possible. You know, I think that there's some things with push outs and those, you know, you know, the different um, you know, going out of bounds. You know, I think that those kind of cautions, they're they're uh, you know, when it's a flea, when it's not a flea, like I don't really know when it's going to be called one or the other, to be honest. Like you can look at the ref and be like, what are you going to call? You know, like, and, but and that's this a is problem, a, you know, this was never an issue until the, this is a man-made issue that we created by adding this extra rule. And I don't like, I get what it was trying to address. I don't think the number of times that happened is enough to add this new extra layer of confusion. No, for sure. You're you're exactly right. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing is whatever whatever's happened before. Yeah, I don't I don't understand really how big of a pro why it was that big of a problem that we needed the I never noticed it before until now. And it's like when people go out of bounds, like it could be one, it could be two, or it could be zero. I mean, that's the other thing is like when it's called zero is the craziest thing because they decide like the guy was straight arm sometimes. And, you know, I think if you just eliminate that and if you go out of bounds, it's one point. You know, I think if you you can tell the difference between a flea, a flea. But if a guy's on a leg, that's the one that's kind of the most confusing. It's like in freestyle, when a guy's on your leg and you go out of bounds, what what exactly are you supposed to do to stay in bounds for the most part? You know, it's. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can make rules and you know I think over regulating I think a lot of this a lot of the newer rules are it's better it's a better product because there's less rules than we had before I mean remember the ball grabs oh, and clinches and you know those things are so Ugh. so crazy and corrupt and whatever else you know I think uh I think having the most simple, you go out of bounds, it's one point. If you have no one's, if you're on your knees, okay, no points, you know, things like that. Like if you just kind of make them super simple and just let it be, you know, I think that you're, the problem is, ref, ref, you know, coaches really game systems, you know, like I'm, I'm a victim of it or I'm a, I'm a person that does the same thing. Cause my, my job is to give my athletes the best chance oh, yeah. to win. So once a rule changes, like the caution out of bounds, once that's kind of, you know, been a big deal, 
you know, we talk about it a lot and how to use it to our advantage. You know, Zane was able to ground himself a lot against Gilman and that, that wasted a lot of Gilman's energy trying to get him out of bounds in a grounded position. So. Yeah. And the, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is with, with, like you said, if you're a coach, you got to play the rules, but it's just very simple. Like, I don't think the caution one was needed. The Yanni match really sticks out because to me, it looked like he was grounded. Nick Lee shot him off. They called him for caution and one and basically lost in the match. And I just don't, I couldn't understand that one. But the one that really is on everyone's mind is this is match one JV chance. To me, maybe I'm overreacting. This is reminiscent of some of those Colot massacres. The match was over. Chance won the match and they cautioned it. JB cannot look me in a straight face and tell me that he was wrestling different those last 15 seconds because he knew about the singlet grab. So I just think you can't have a match end, change the result, and not let them go back to when the when the egregious thing happened. Like, all right, if they're going to call that, why didn't they wrestle the last 15 seconds? Like, that's to me is what I cannot understand that. What are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I, I think they botched that. You know, I, I do think, you know, the singlet grabbing that happens in a lot of matches. I mean, guys do it and they don't even know it. Their finger gets caught in there and they move their hand and it looks like they're pulling, but they're not really. It's just their hand is stuck in that little bit of a fabric. You know, I don't think that there was an intentional singlet grab by Marsteller, but there was I don't a singlet pull. And if they would have caught it, you know, I think that that's the thing is they could have went back and put that 15 seconds on. And you know, I still don't understand why they didn't, to be honest. You know, I, I'm not trying to question USA wrestling or the referee jobs or anything like that, but you know, it made sense to me exactly. If a foul occurred, then you go back to the time of the foul and, and start wrestling at that point. And, you know, I think that did some, something to chance Marsteller mentally too. Oof. You know, I think that kept him in the, like, it, it fired him up a little bit more. I saw him after the match. He wasn't deflated. He wasn't like, Oh no, I lost that match. He came walking by and, you know, he had uh he had a really stern look on his face. Like he's really about to, about to do something good. So, I mean, it's one of those things like, who knows, like that might've won in the match that won in the series, True. you know, and it kept him intent into that I, third, third match. So that, I mean, it just to beat JB is, as you know, you coach Dimar, it's so hard to get one match off him. Chance just battled, took a, took every, you know, took a double to the face, just took a beating. He had to come back. I mean, it's just, such a great match and to have it taken away. Like, I don't like, I don't know how you come back from that. I really don't. I mean, cause again, the singlet pull happened at 15 seconds. You know that either wrestler would have been wrestling different. If the score was changed, you can't just end the match. I was just really pissed off when that happened. It's just, to me, it's like, this isn't even, this is what's wrong with some of the sport is it's just so bizarre. Some of the things that happened. So that was one thing. Match two comes back, gets a win, a gritty win match three. I think, JB got screwed in this match. Like this, this occurrence at the end isn't like, I think this whole match could go to arbitration and I don't know if it will, but it, it, I usually could see it going this last exchange for folks who didn't watch it. Is JB down or tied up at this point? Like when this, the, the four on the edge. So, so JB is winning three to two, I believe. And yeah. And then they go to the edge, He kind of drives them up to the edge. And then he pulls Marsteller's singlet. I don't know if you caught that. I did see that. So he pulls I did see that. And on the legs, he drives, and Marsteller kind of hips him over. It looks like he floats for a second, and he goes over. It's one of those situations where, you know, if it's in the middle of the mat, it's for sure 4-2 somebody. You know what I mean? Like, you're not really sure who they call 4-2. So both people are going to score in that situation. 
And then uh, they ended up giving JB the points and then Marcella. And then who knows, like you hear all the time, like a makeup call, you know, like, I don't know, maybe it was like a makeup call in the first match. You know, you hate to think about it that we do that unfairly, but maybe it was, I mean, there was a lot of people that were like, I don't know. And then I, you can be in either camp, you know, Marcella definitely redirected him with his leg, especially JB never stopped. He, he kept going. They did slow down for a second and then he went over. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying one call is the right call. I personally thought what they were going to do is call JB for, for a singlet grab and then negate the action. So they didn't have to make a finite decision and then let them wrestle. Cause then it would have been three, three yep. JB's winning on, and would have gave chance a chance to win the match. I thought that that's what they were going to do, but they didn't, and they gave chance the match. And 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 they never know. called the singlet, which is even weirder. They never even ruled <laughs> yeah, on the singlet. <laughs> it's like the same thing that overruled match one. It happens. They just ignore it. And all these like after the first match on Twitter, I was getting into some arguments. People are like, in football, if so, if a lineman flat you know holds someone, it pulls back a touchdown. Like they're trying to be letter of the law. I'm like, if you called someone every time a singlet grab happened like have you ever watched sargush and jb like the whole match was single pull they didn't call a single thing like happens all the time you cannot yeah oh just drives me nuts the best guy in the world at 65 kilos and one of the best guys staple his name's haji aliyev his very best setup to a single leg is a singlet pull it's literally <laughs> his best setup like he grabs the back of your shirt and shoots this nasty sweep and he has done it for years and guys just they're like yeah it's just part of yeah part of the sport over there you know i think uh them calling it in the first match and not calling it in the third was really like confusing to people again once again that are that are involved in the sport i mean people that are that are passionate and live it and whatever like i i can't imagine being a person who that was their first experience and looking at it and being like well oh good luck yeah all it here not there and then there's four two and then the whole chaos of what happened afterwards was you know was not i didn't think was a real good look for anybody that was it was it was a very ugly situation with the you know you got the coaches in the middle of the mat and you got you know jb's over there and who's a great wrestler great competitor whatever you know he was allowed to really protest the mat past the point match way past the point than most people were so it was just a weird it was a weird feeling but happy for happy for chance marcella and you know his journey through wrestling and such a good guy and you know happy to see him get his shot at the at a, at a, you know, 79 kilos because next year, you know, he's a big dude, you know, who knows, like this mm-hmm. could be his shot. One yeah. single shot at winning a world medal is this year. Cause he's not at an Olympic weight. So, you know, good luck to him. I love chance. So actually interviewed him for the podcast, did a bunch of research on him. And during the interview, he was on kid duty and we couldn't get quiet background. So we actually had to scrap the interview, but we spent 45 minutes on the phone together about six weeks ago. And I was, it really kills me. We haven't been able to reschedule it, but his journey, I think people maybe think they know he, he's, he's going to go into it, but it's unbelievable. You know, I come from a family has some addiction issues and a lot of, I think wrestling, it's like, there's a lot of in wrestling. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people who are very much on the up and up religious. They're on the, you know, they're straight and narrow and that's great. We need that. But there's a lot of wrestlers that I, and I personally feel this way. Like 
I don't really, I'm not really that religious. And I know a lot of people have struggled with addiction and wrestling. Like I think more stories like chance needs to be out there because there's a lot of wrestlers who are messed up and they need to hear some of the other side of it. So I love chance Marshall. I'm so, so happy for him. I love JB. Like, I don't want to see, like, I look at this and I think it was a really bizarre series. It just was odd to me. And, um, here, let me go back to the sequence. Here's what I thought. I didn't rewatch it carefully enough. I thought it was just going to be a push out for JB. Like it was like, he was so clearly had him on the edge, but I guess Chance's whole foot didn't step out. And then it looked like when JB was taking Chance, it was back. There was enough pause to give JB the four. Then the roll through, it almost looked like JB had stopped wrestling. It was just a bizarre way to end the match to me. You know, not saying the result wouldn't have been the same. Cause I think Chance won match one and you won match two. It shouldn't even have been a match three, but it's just weird, man. A really weird way to go down. Yeah, I thought somebody was going to get four for sure, just because I, I did. Yeah, you know, Chance, but Chance's foot went out of bounds, but it went out of bounds offensively, and which is kind of the rule is if if I try to throw you and I step out as I'm throwing you, then then it the it doesn't matter if I step Got out, it. you're not going to get. But I agree, there was a little bit of a pause where JB was hovering, and slowly kept going, but he never stopped. So I guess that was the. Uh, that was the biggest thing that referees were looking at is if there was a pause there. But then, you know, I've seen a lot of guys not get chances points because he kind of ends up on his back there and not ended up on top, which is what yeah. they're, what I've been told by level ref was the determining factor on who was going to score is if you're on your back, you shouldn't get points. You know, I've, I had, a, I had one of the best refs in the U S tell me that, well, I don't think Marcelo ever got off his back. So I don't no. know how he scored, but, but one question, you know, I mean, that's, I thought the refereeing for the most part was, was fairly good. I think they, they've hamstringed them with these making judgment calls when they shouldn't have to make them. And, you know, I think uh, it's been mm -hmm. difficult, but yeah, it's tough, I think, man. Uh, I think overall it was a good product. And I know you're a coach, so it's, it's tough to get involved because you work with these guys day in and day out. But um, I like your opinion too, because you know, the rules better than anyone. And um, we're not going to get to the new folk style rules. I still don't know how I feel about that, but I did want to just close off with this, man. You know, we, we love Team Illinois as much as anyone. Cadet National Duels, 16 new National Duels just happened. The Illini took second in both styles, both times to Iowa. Your son was out there. What would you hear from this event? I wasn't following it too closely. How'd it go, though? Yeah, I was able to sneak over there for a day on my way up to fly out. So I, I was able to just kind of surprise him and see him wrestle for a day on Wednesday. So yeah, they took second, you know, I think it's a, that class of kids, you know, I can't, you know, you can't say their names as, as a college coach, but that Got it's it. pretty special when you watch them. What's always been special to me about the dual team is you watch these guys who, you know, have, have wrestled each other for a long time and now maybe find them at different weight classes and how they bond together so strongly. You know, it's, it's, it's such a cool event. And I know other States have that exact same thing, but, you know, watching these kids become lifelong friends after a week, you know, people that will be in each other's lives, hopefully for a very long time. And they're good. They're good for each other. And, you know, it's good for the sport and it's good for the state of Illinois. You know, we've always had a, a really strong, you know, group of, of young kids that have kind of stepped up for these duels and done really well. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with our administration. Our administration's amazing. You know, guys like Mike Irwin and, you know, Gene Lee and those guys that other states may, you know, struggle to get that show up every day. They ran the tournament and then also made sure our guys had everything they needed. And then coaches wise, like, 
couldn't ask for a better set of coaches, you know, mentors. And, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to have my son being there, being mentored by these guys who I think every single one of them wrestled for team Illinois when they were younger. And that's kind of a cool thing to see them want to give back to something that influenced their lives such in such a positive way. So, you know, I'm excited. You know, I think that they can go to Fargo with a bunch of good data too, you know, individually as athletes and, you know, make some changes in the next three weeks. We got a good system set up for them to do that. So between now and Fargo, I think you're going to see a lot of those Illinois kids get better, and, you know, hopefully go have good Fargo. So is we'll it only see. three weeks for Fargo? Yeah, man, it's, it, I think it's three, probably three, for I think it's four weeks. You yeah. get four weeks from now. Man. But you know, by the time you travel there and everything else, yeah, it's about four weeks. And it's kind of a weird wonky schedule this year that puts everything together. There's a weird weigh in day that's just weigh ins and no wrestling. Really? And well props yeah, to in there. I'm I'm super proud of Team Illinois, man. To get second in both styles is an amazing accomplishment. And you know, props to Team Iowa and, and the Big Game Club and the TJC Boat Club, those guys are incredible. And, man, I, one of the best coaches I've ever been around, Dan Knight, he drives three hours across Iowa to send his kid to Seabolt. And so I'm like, they, they're on to something there. And I've had TJ on and I've had Carew on the podcast. And you got to imagine a, a team like that wins. It's a lot of guys from those clubs. Um, I'm sure there's a few other ones. I don't want to leave anyone out. But, man, that's impressive to win both. And they they won Fargo last year in juniors, I believe, as well. In freestyle, freestyle Illinois Greco yeah. won. Let's go. I don't think Illinois Greco's lost 2003, man. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, like, yeah, dude, I think they've won it for 20 straight years. Illinois Junior, Junior Greco, Greco. Fuck. yeah, yes, I love hearing that. I mean, no, I, I don't, it's not a, it's, it, I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I think it was 2003, it could have been like 2004, but yeah. I mean, when you went pal with the coaches, did you guys win the duels every year? Oh, uh, we won it a lot. Uh, we yeah, those are the lot. glory years, man. I, I think yeah, back Powell, to those Powell times. Powell was amazing, man. Like, Powell was one of those people that just, even as a coach, like, just being around him, like, just made you want to be better. You know, he fired you up. Like, I can't imagine wrestling for him. I feel like, you know, I would have ran through a wall for that guy. You know, <laughs> I, I still would. Yeah. One of my friends, my coach. So, I mean, he's such a, such a good motivator. And the thing is, like, he coached these dual team coaches. You know, he was coached. Pete Kowalczyk was the head coach of the, the, the junior coach, and he was under Powell. You know, like, these guys, these guys all wrestled for Powell. So, you know. Who's the, the head coach of the 16U team? Um, Pete Kowalczyk. That's oh, heck the head yeah. Coach the 16U team. And then um, uh, I think Justin Perch, Matt Webster, they're kind of in charge of the junior team. They leave. I think they might have left yesterday for the junior duel start this week. So how are we looking? How's Team Illinois looking? Strong as ever? You don't really know. Be good, I hope. You yeah, know, I, I wasn't there for their camp. This is kind of weird. I usually help out at least with the camp. That was the thing when I stopped coaching the duels. I was like, hey, I'll at least come to the camp, you know, every time and help you. But with Final X and everything, I wasn't able to be there. But you know, they do such a good job. You know, it's a very well oiled machine. You know, I think that they do a good job of getting their guys ready. So I would, I would expect they're going to have a pretty good product. I've, I've heard the team and sounds like a pretty good team. So, and I know you're in a weird spot because, you, like you said, you're a college coach. So I don't mean to put you on the spot with any of these questions about high school kids. But yeah, man, we're just, uh, I just love seeing the team Illinois do well and, you know, off to a good start and juniors coming up and then Fargo. It's like, this is a great, great time because before we know it, Fargo will be here and then the world's in September. So 
we'll also have to get you back on coach. I want to talk triathlon. I want to talk college rules. Give me, give me your, give me your 60 seconds on this, on this three point takedown. My personal gut is that I don't like it. I don't know where your thoughts are on it. Yeah. It's the exact same thing as the, as the push out with the caution, you know, like it just is going to muddy the waters. Like I, I don't, I think that they're just trying to, to make more action. And anytime you put legislation that forces action, it ends up being manipulated to fit, fit guys' agendas. So, you know, I think the attitude of it is the right thing, but I'm not hundred percent, but at the same time, you know, let's give it a year and see how it works. Yeah. And it, decision's been made. So, I mean, it's not something they're going to change. So we're going to go in and, you know, we're going to try to try to do the best with it. And hopefully it creates a better product. I, I, I have, I have apprehension just like everyone else does that, you know, I just can't believe we're going to be yelling three, you know, I like know. I don't even know what that means. Like three, like, I guess, you know, it's one of those things like mask with COVID, right? Like the first time you saw him, it was so confusing. You didn't know. And then like two months later, you're like, everybody has an you know like like how do you hold up three is it going to be this is, i think like this i like this one so <laughs> somebody said like <laughs> that, that, the three new three so well to me it's like care. like increasing wrestling, increasing the point value will in effect make higher scoring matches but it doesn't mean there's more scores like that's like the weird yeah. thing you know it's like it, you could change the score of a touchdown to 14 and it doesn't mean that there's more scores. It just means the point total is higher. I did remember the one thing I want to get your thoughts on. Cause I've been noodling on this. Tell me if you think this is, if this is a bad move. I think that just like in, uh, I don't think in NFL, you can do a challenge within two minutes. I think in freestyle wrestling, the last 30 seconds, any challenges have to come from the refs. It would eliminate the YOLO brick. It would eliminate the weird situation we saw this weekend like what do you think on that or do you think it's take give taking too much power away from the wrestlers yeah no i i you have to have challenges all the way because you see those matches like i i the yolo brick is ridiculous like and and you know i've i've been i've been victim of it too where you know i've 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 thrown or i've been a person that violated this and thrown it you know when i knew that there probably wasn't a very good chance he was going to get it but there is there is those moments in time where you know you don't want you don't want that wrestler sitting back thinking you know he got cheated so at least yeah. having somebody look at it you know i think that as long as you have the break you should be able to use it but okay. you know at the same time you know i think that I think that refs should be able to look at it too on their own without having to challenge. You know, that's the big thing too, is like, you know, some of those refs will, will tell you like, I don't, I don't know what that was. Like I, I made my best guess, you know, and I think that they would like a chance to, to peek at it. And I don't know if that extends the matches too long. And, you know, I don't know if that's an answer or anything else, but, you know, I think that that would, if I think if those refs could have looked at the four, two, although, you know, who knows what that JB yeah. call would have been made though. Like, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent, but you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things like the challenge brick is, I think it needs to be immediate. I don't, the one that bothers me is when a guy is able to throw it, you know, 20 seconds after an action, you know, or 15 seconds after an action or something like that. Like that just doesn't, that's the one that bothers me the most because the wording in the thing is immediate immediately following you know you're not supposed to use you, you saw the big mess up with uh yanni and yeah i can't remember who he was wrestling when they threw zane. it and it came back zane rethford yeah and they threw it and it's like two minutes before some ridiculous amount so or you know, even I don't, weirder I don't, I don't sorry go ahead yeah i think that you should have to like five 
five seconds. You have five seconds to throw it. If you don't throw it in five seconds, after the points come up, like after you see how they scored it, if they didn't score it the right way, you got five seconds and then that's it. Put a put a definite time frame on there instead of you know this this wording immediate, which leaves a loophole that you know a guy could throw it after the match happens. You know, but because it's weird if there's a scramble and you think you should have got a score and you didn't, and then the scramble keeps going. Like when do they stop? You know, that's you see that more in folk style, but um, yeah. Either way, I think we're on the same page, Coach. You've gone over your time here, so I really appreciate it, man. It's an honor to talk to you, as always. I was so happy for you and Zane, and uh, it's good to see Coach Poet in the corner. And congrats to Bron Nagel and all the guys, man. It's just what, a, what an honor to have uh, the Illinois RTC put two world team members. Love it, Coach. Pretty Pumped for you, man. Thank you very much for everything you do for wrestling. Enjoy your podcast. It gives you you got some traveling coming up, so good, keep, man. keep pumping. We can enjoy them. So Will thank do. you. Take care, coach. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. If you enjoy this show, we want to hear from you. So leave us a review on Apple Podcast and subscribe to the show. If you want to watch video clips from this interview, go to our YouTube page, Wrestling Changed My Life. And to support the podcast, please buy our merch at store.wrestlingchangedmylife.com. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!